Um, Hudson Taylor is referred to in many circles as the father of modern missions. Hudson Taylor uh, was born in the uh, early part of the 1800s, died in like 1906, 1907. But he spent 54 years in China. And he developed what is called the China Inland Mission, one of the most uh, powerful, and at that time probably the most prolific, powerful missions organization in the world. And they had hundreds of missionaries that followed his lead, and they established a mission in every province of China. Over the period of many years, there were 20,000 Chinese people come to Christ because of his China Inland Mission and those who followed him and worked within that organization. And even after his death, that uh, ministry continued and, and just supported many missionaries that have gone into China. And many people uh, believe that when China, what we would call shut down because of dictators and communism and all of that, um, the church in China has flourished. And there have been, for many years, uh, China was the place where you had more converts uh, than any other country in the world. And many will attribute that to Hudson Taylor and the seeds that he planted in that nation so that even when the nation shut down from outside influences and even when they persecuted the church and took pastors and put them in labor camps and killed them, even in the slaughters that happened in China during the time after Hudson Taylor, the church thrived because Hudson Taylor planted seeds in that community, the seeds of the gospel. He did what he could, where he could, with who he could, when he could. He did it. And as a result of that, the church in China is very, very strong. God always provides, and God always will provide. Hudson Taylor had a plaque in his home. And on the plaque, it was very basic. It had the word Ebenezer and Jehovah Jireh. The word Ebenezer is only used a couple of times in the Bible, and it is reference to a saying that was always to remind the children of Israel, God has helped us. And so whenever they would say the word Ebenezer or read the word Ebenezer, or somebody would put it on the, uh, the wall of their home, it was always a reminder. Ebenezer means God has helped us. And Jehovah Jireh means God will provide. And Hudson Taylor kept that plaque on the wall of his home because he wanted a constant reminder, I need to be thankful and have a maintain an attitude of thankfulness because, Ebenezer, God has helped us. He's brought us to this moment that we're in right now. Wherever we are, God has supplied and God has provided and God has helped us. But then next to it was Jehovah Jireh, which then pointed him into the future in faith. Believing that God will provide, just as he has helped, God will help. Just as he has provided, he will provide. Just as he has performed miracles, he will continue to perform miracles because he is the God that never changes. So I want to encourage us today to look back at our lives and see the hand of God moving in our lives and adjusting and shaping the course of where we were going, but more importantly than that, the shape of who we are as people. God has helped us. 
Has it been tough at times? Absolutely. Is it always comfortable? No. But God has helped us. And we are assured that he will always provide for us. He said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I will always give you what you need. Sometimes we're surprised at what God provides. But if we'll take what God provides and apply it to our lives and apply it in the situation that we are in, we will begin to understand in the by and by, as the song says, what God was up to. If we'll take what God provides and use it where we are, with who we're with, in the time period in which we live, we will find that God was at work in our lives and through our lives. I'm going to talk today about generosity. Generosity is not a destination. It's a journey. It is something that we grow into. It is something that we learn. It is something that we are always reminded God has already been helpful and God will already always be helpful. He is here for us as we are in Christ and Christ is in us. If you'd like to turn there to 2 Corinthians 9, which is what we just read, we're actually going to walk through these verses step by step, and I think God is going to speak to people today about maybe some re-engagement. Not maybe. Can I just extract that word? God is going to speak to people today about re-engagement. So, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, we didn't read verses 1 through 5, but what the Holy Spirit is inspiring the Apostle Paul to say in the first five verses of this division, this chapter of 2 Chronicles. He's he's reminding the Corinthian church. He said, listen, you guys made a faith promise, if you will, to help the church in Macedonia. The church in Macedonia was having a very difficult time. The Corinthian church, the city of Corinth, was very metropolitan. It was was rich for the time. And so they decided, hey, we're going to take up a special offering of money and we're going to send it over to the Macedonian church. And so Paul is reminding them of this. He's also reminding them to say, we're, we're going to come to you soon. And when we come to you, then we're going to take the money that you give us and we're going to take it to the Macedonian church. So he's reminding them of this promise and he's also kind of encouraging them, you guys need to get ready. Because it's going to be embarrassing to us and to you if when we show up, you're not ready. You don't have that gift. And then we're we're going to be taking it to, there's not going to be anything going to Macedonia. So he's reminding them, hey, let's get ready. Now here's what the Holy Spirit does. It's so interesting to me. And the next things that are written. Paul takes this money and this special offering that's going to go to another church And the Holy Spirit uses it to teach the Corinthians and to teach us about the whole spectrum of life and all that we are and all that we have. Not just simply about money, but about the gifts and talents that God's given us. Yes, the education that He's given us, the the genetic framework that He's given us, but the spiritual gifts that He's given us, the things that He has planted in your life as gifts. Maybe it's the gift of teaching. Maybe it's the gift of the arts. Maybe it's the gift of mercy or prophecy or hospitality or evangelism or wisdom. God has given you those gifts just like we have money, we have gifts. And so the Holy Spirit begins to to lead Paul to teach the Corinthians and us 
that we can take the example of a farmer sowing and reaping and money and planting it or giving it, but he can extend that into even the gifts that he's given to us. Let's walk through this. You ready? So we're at verse number six and seven. It says, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you've decided in your hearts to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion. For what kind of a lover does God love? What kind of a giver does God love? He loves a cheerful lover too. You just got to go with it sometimes, don't you? God loves a cheerful giver. So he's saying the obvious that all of us know. He's saying if you have seed, a bag of seed, a box of seed, a carton of seed, whatever you want to, but you only take some of it and you plant sparingly, he says, well, great, you're going to get a small harvest. But if you take a great amount of seed or all of your seed and you plant that, you're going to get a bigger harvest. If you plant one kernel of corn, you get like 300 in return, something like that. It's amazing. The law of God's sowing and reaping. So he's talking about money, he's talking about sowing. He says, if you sow sparingly, reap sparingly, sow generously, you reap generously, but do it cheerfully. He said, don't, don't do it like, oh, oh man, there's an, a youth dessert auction next week. I guess we ought to give. They're young people. They need help. Okay, we'll give. <laughs> well, if that's your attitude, I, I would just encourage you, just keep it. <laughs> you know, just keep your money, you know, and let somebody else buy that delicious chocolate cake. But we can, the one who really wants that chocolate cake is going, yes. But what we can do is say, wow, we get to give. Wow, this is amazing. We get to give. And he says, do it cheerfully. Do it with, with exuberance and happy. So he's, he's talking about this above the tithe gift to the Macedonians. And he's saying, a little, you get a little return. If you give a lot, you get a lot return. But do it cheerfully. But now verse number eight is next. And that's the transition verse. This is, this is where... The Holy Spirit just inspires Paul, and he goes, we're, we're going to take this opportunity and go into all of life. Let's read verse number 8. He says, and God is able to bless you how? Abundantly. He said, God's able. Yes, your education's important. Your charisma is important. Your experience is important. All of the things, those are all important. But God is the one who blesses us abundantly. It's, it's, it's not all of those other things only. It's God working in us. So therefore, we come to the realization that God is our source. Our education is great. Our job is wonderful. But God is our source. So therefore... If your company goes under or readjusts or reorganizes and you're left without a job, well, that's a blow. Let's just face it. That's like just getting a, just a gut punch. You're just like, oh, man. This is when we remind ourselves, wait a minute, that company is not my source. God is my source. God is my source. 
Sometimes we think about the source of a river. You know, Lake Lanier's up there, and just talking to Oscar about fishing in Lake Lanier this morning a little bit, a little pastor conversation out in the lobby. You know, you think at Lake Lanier, but Lake Lanier is not the source. There are sources up in the mountains that water is just coming out of the mountain. That's the source that then trickle down into a Lake Lanier and then on down to our friends in Alabama and the Gulf of Mexico. Lake Lanier is not the source. Lake Lanier is just part of the process. The source is way up in the mountains. My friend, your company is not your source. God is your source. And so, therefore, he knows who you are, what you need, and he's going to provide everything. And it's those moments in time when we are, what we thought was our source is cut off or interrupted. That's when we remember, God is my source. So, therefore, what do I have to fear? God's going to take care of me. He says, God is able to bless you abundantly. Look at what it says. So that in all things at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Man, he used that word all a lot, doesn't he? He said, I'm not just going to bless you in a little way or just in some ways, in certain aspects of your life. He says, God is able to bless you abundantly with all in all things, at all times, in all that you need. And he does so because he says, I will bless you and you will abound in every good work. That's the transition where he says, we're, we're talking about money, sparingly, generously, cheerful heart, and it works into everything else, into all of the good works that we do. He says, God is the source. He's going to bless you all the time, in every way, in every season. We know, because all of us are farmers here, right? We all have 40 acres we're farming, right? So we all know about farming. We know that there's a season to plant and there's a season to harvest, but you know, with God and the gifts that he's given you, the season is always planting, the season is always watering, and the season is always to harvest. It is 24 hours a day. We plant, we plant, we plant, we plant, and we harvest, we harvest. God brings it back to us because he is our source. And so we're constantly sowing all the time in every season with whatever we have, wherever we are, with who we're with, for as long as we can. And then what does God do with that? He begins to bring it back, and he begins to bless us. Because why? We've planted. And so we say, God, you're the source. You've given me this gift of hospitality. I need to have some people over to the house. You've given me this gift of teaching. I need to teach. Let me ask you a question. It, it, it's a stupid question. It's a, it's a, I'm sorry, I, there are children here. I shouldn't have said stupid. It's a ridiculous question. <laughs> what if a farmer had a bunch of seed and he had his 40 acres? And it was a good 40 acres. But he looked down the, down the road there and he went, now that is a great 40 acres. If I had that, I'd sow all this seed. Because, wow. That is a great 40 acres. But I don't have a great 40 acres. I just have a so-so 40 acres. So I'm just going to plant a few seeds. Well, he's going to get a, a little harvest. See, 
I know this is not for you. This is for other people in your family, your cousins and your brothers and sisters. This is not for you. But sometimes we think, well, I, I don't have that great of a assist. I, I don't have that great of a place to give my gift. My gift of teaching, well, if I just could teach those people over there, boy, I would teach them. But I just got these meagerly people to teach, and <laughs> I don't know, you know. And it's the gift of hospitality. It's the gift of prophecy. It's the gift of intercession. It's the, it's the gift that you have. And God is just saying, plan it where you are, with who's around you. Don't worry, don't worry about that 40 acres. Just deal with your 40 acres. God's given you the seed so you can plant it where you are, with who you're with, when you can, and look for a harvest. So he says, I'm, this is what I'm, I'm giving to you. And then, verse, verse number 9, he goes back into the Old Testament in Psalm 112. He says, for they have freely scattered their gifts to who? To the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Now we're getting not only from money and sowing and reaping, and then we're talking about everything, and we're, we're, we're talking about gifts, we're talking about abundance, and then we're talking about righteousness. So, whoa, he's taking the full, the, full raid, the, the full ride here, isn't he? He's going right into our righteousness. Now, we know that our righteousness is imputed to us. It is given to us by Christ. That is the position of being right with God. That's a boiled-down definition. When you're not right with God, you know it. When, when, when things are out of sort with you and God, before you were saved, you are like, this isn't working. And that's why you came to Christ, because you're like, that, that's got to be a better way than what I'm, what I'm facing now, because my life's good. I got great clothes. I got a car. I got a life. And everything's great. But inside, I'm empty. And the bottle can't fill it. The pills can't fill it. The needle can't fill it. The sex can't fill it. I need something. And then you come to Christ. You go, oh, that's what I was missing. And we're positioned in Christ in righteousness. He positions us that way. He gives us righteousness. But then he also says, when I give you seed, when I give you gifts, you're accountable. Are you planting it or are you keeping it in the bag? Seed that stays in the bag never, ever produces a harvest. And he's talking about a harvest of righteousness. Well, here's what we're going to do. Let's turn to Psalm 112, because that's where this verse that he quotes is from, Psalm 112. And we're actually going to read the whole, the whole psalm. It won't take long. Psalm 112, you can turn there. And he starts off the psalm. He says, praise the Lord. Blessed are those who fear the Lord and find great delight in his commands. Their children will be mighty in the land. Can anybody say sowing and reaping? He's talking in verse number one. Blessed are those who fear the Lord and find great delight in his commands. The reaping, their children, will be mighty in the land. Verse three, wealth and riches are in their houses. In their righteousness, their righteousness, he goes from wealth and riches to righteousness. Wealth and riches will be in their house, and their righteousness endures forever. Even in darkness, even when the company folds, their light dawn, the light dawns for the upright, for those who are gracious and compassionate and righteous. Good will come to those who are generous and lend freely, who conduct their affairs with justice. Surely the righteous will never be shaken. They will be remembered forever. 
For they will have no fear of bad news. Their hearts are steadfast, trusting in the Lord. Their hearts are secure. They will have no fear. In the end, they will look in triumph on their foes. They have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. And their horn will be lifted high in honor. The wicked will see and be vexed. They will gnash their teeth and waste away. The longings of the wicked will come to nothing. Man, that's powerful, isn't it? You can just see all through that psalm, sowing and reaping, sowing and reaping. The benefit of just serving God. He's talking about money, sowing, reaping. God's our source. He gives us everything we need, and he gives us what we need for righteousness. Christ positions us in righteousness, and yet there is a reward for righteousness because of what we do in the kingdom of God. And so he's, he's bringing this down to verse number 10. Let's read that. This is, this is powerful. He says, Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. He mentions the word seed twice and harvest once. We all want the harvest, don't we? Don't we all like the harvest? Have you ever had anybody that just, they plowed, they planted, they watered, they fertilized, they weeded, and then it's time for the harvest, and they say, come on over. And you're like, yeah, you did all the work, let's go. Because when it's harvest time, you know it's, it's called harvest, clean, cook, and eat. We're going to eat some fresh corn, some fresh okra, slice some good tomato, whatever it is. You're like, yes. But he says, it's God who supplies seed. It's God who supplies gifts. It's God who supplies what he wants you to do. And when you do it, that's when the harvest comes. And he calls it a harvest of righteousness. Not a positional righteousness, but a reward of righteousness. The Bible tells us in the very last book of the Bible that, there's gonna, that our righteousness is going to be rewarded in heaven. And so he's saying, what you've freely been given, freely give. Be faithful in the little things. God will make you ruler over much. And he's saying, I want you to plant. I want you to give your gift and plant it into other people, the people that are around you. And that's what I see at Hope Crossings. I see people are going like, yeah, that's what we do. We have no superstar. Well, we have one superstar at Hope Crossings, and that's Jesus. All the rest of us are just people. And we're just planting seeds. We're saying, God, what have you given us? What have you given us? Okay, that's what we're going to plant. You've given us mercy, we're going to plant mercy. You've given us grace, we're going to plant grace. You've given us money, we're going to plant money. You've given us prophecy, we're going to plant. You've given us teaching, we're going to teach. We're just planting what God gives us. And then we sit and go, there's never a season for planting in the kingdom. It's just plant, plant. Keep putting the seed in the ground. And you know what happens? The harvest. The Bible talks about the harvest overtaking us. And we just have so much that we can't even contain it. That's the harvest that God has for us. But here's the... The difficulty and the struggle with sometimes, well, I'm, I'm at, I, I hate to say with everybody because that's, I, I don't know everybody, but I'm going to say with many of us, here's a struggle, and this is what we're going to focus on for the next three minutes, and we're going to have a time of prayer. And that is this, some people say, you know, but I planted a garden and it didn't work. 
I remember several years ago, like 25, 30 years ago, I, I, I wanted some, I just wanted to try this thing, so I got in Lisa's father's garden and went out and planted some mustard greens and some, some collard greens because I love collard greens. And I just thought, plow, plant, come back two months later, cut them, eat them, we're done. I learned. That's not how it happens. There are bugs that like those plants. And you got to do some stuff, right? Well, now what if I went and looked at that and said, oh, why did I do all that? I'll never do that again and just walk away. And that's what some of us have done with the seeds we've planted. God, you gave me the gift of teaching and I taught and somebody rejected it. Somebody told me I was wrong. God, you gave me the gift of mercy and I gave mercy and it was just pushed back in my face. God, you gave me this gift and I did it. God, you gave me this gift and I did it and it didn't work out. So I'm done. It's over. I'm out. I quit. I mean, I'll still love you and I'll still go to church like 2.4 Sundays a month. But I'm done. I'm going to sit there and going to receive whatever the pastor says, and, but I'm, I'm, not, I'm not planting those seeds anymore. My mistake in planting that garden was immaturity. I did not know. I was ignorant. It's okay to be ignorant. It's just not okay to stay that way. And so God has to come along and says, okay, so you planted some seeds when you were younger. You did it in immaturity. You did it in ignorance. It didn't work out. Not your fault. Let's learn from it and move on. And right now, there's a sore spot in some people's lives because it didn't work out. And you thought, well, God, I was doing it for you. Why didn't it work out? I don't have an answer for that. But I do know this. God wants you to get back on the horse again and let's get going. God wants to heal that spot in your life so that you go, okay, okay, I need to be planting seeds because if I'm not planting seeds, I cannot expect a harvest. If I'm not planting the gifts that God's given me into the people's lives around me, there's no way I can expect a harvest. But how many of you today would say, you know what? God said he's going to abundantly bless me in all things at all times with all that he has. How many of you would say, I want that. I want to receive that harvest. I want to receive what God has for me. And God is saying, I have provided the means to get it. It's called seed. It's called a gift. It's called, I've given you this gift. I want you to use this gift. It's not always going to work out because God's working with the other people as well. God's saying, keep planting the seed. Keep doing the gift that I've given you. And that harvest is going to come. And that harvest is going to overtake you. And it's going to keep coming and keep coming and keep coming. Because that's what God does. But God wants to heal your life. He wants to set you free from that burden and that hurt that says, I don't want to do this anymore. I think it was Mark Twain that said, a cat that sits on a hot stove will never sit on a hot stove again, nor will he sit on a cold stove. That cat just doesn't like stoves. Some of you got burned, and you don't, touch the, you don't even go near the stove. I get it, but let God heal you today. So that you can re-engage and go, okay, God, I got a few seeds in there. Maybe you got 10 seeds. Plant them. It's a guaranteed way to go back and look and go, oh, there's 20 now. Okay, and I'll plant those. 
All right, let's see what happens. Oh, I got 40 now. Okay, and you just keep planting them because God is the one who supplies your seed so that you can sow. 